Hey, We Gotta Believe listeners, you can find us every Monday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Did you know that this March, a whopping 86% of you will be sneaking peeks at the games when you're supposed to be working? It's the least productive month in sports, and Dave & Buster's is celebrating with an all-day $5 happy hour on March 21st for the first round of games. So ditch your second tabs for big screens, cold beers, and free Wi-Fi. But most importantly, stop pretending to work at the office and start pretending to work at Dave & Buster's on March 21st at participating locations only. Is in the jackpot now. You Fucking cake and punch ready because we're fucking having a parade. to worship uh, at the Church of Cohen. There it is. We, uh, the dawn of a new era. Glenn, tell them what they gotta do. Gotta believe. 96. Gotta believe. Gotta Believe, episode 127, presented by Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Hot stove's heating up. You're going to need a Coors Light to chill out because we have a GM I don't know a fucking thing about, other than he was presided over a team that wasted Mike Trout's prime. And then the guy who we penciled in as our number two, three-ish guy coming off of Tommy John, just left to said team. So go reach into the fridge, take the Coors Light with the bluest mounds you can find, and guzzle it down right now because everyone, I think we're going to need to chill out because I haven't even looked at Mets Twitter, but I guarantee it is a calamity. It's the pizza box as you walk in, fire everywhere, and it's absolute chaos. So when you need a bear that is meant to chill you out, 
Go to Coors Light and get your Coors Light from Drizzly or Instacart. We love it. CoorsLight.com slash believe. Celebrate. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. How are we feeling? Kev, Kev's driving right now, by the way. So. <laughs> Do you want to start with Syndergaard or start with, what's his name? Epler? I don't even fucking know. Epler. I think we got to start with Syndergaard. Because yes. uh, that's right. fresh Syndergaard, and it's bigger. feels bigger. Listen, Syndergaard. From my experience with him, I never said anything back in the day because, I don't know, you're not supposed to, like, say anything. But now that he's gone, I don't give a fuck. That dude hated the Mets, like, through and through. And it was the <laughs> Wilpon Mets. But anytime I talked to him, and granted, it's been a few years because we, we had a falling out once uh, once Alex Cooper came to Barstool. But, I mean, everything, whenever we talked, was, like, talking about the Wilpon Mets and how much of a garbage organization they were. He, I, The impression I got was that he never liked it here. And I never blamed him down, down to little things. Like I remember he used to tell me like, like the, <laughs> like the food that was available to the players was like chicken fingers and fries and shit like that. That he was just like, what the fuck is this organization? I'm trying to be like a major, a major, like major league ball player. Uh, everything I ever heard from him about the Mets was like, not good. I also, I feel like he kind of used to publicly take like little shots here and there. And I always got the impression he was way more of like a Matt Harvey than he was a Jacob DeGrom. And I never really thought he he wanted to be here long-term. I thought that Cohen might make the difference. Like, if, if the Wilpons were still here, I would have told you 100% chance he's gone as soon as, you know, as soon as he was up. Um, I thought maybe he would stick around for, like, the Cohen turnaround. Um, but, I mean, I guess not, right? Like, I mean, he still I mean, might. That's I, I, know, I know it's a couple extra million, and people are like, why not? Why not shell out two or three more million? But also the the fact that he would leave for two million is like he didn't want to be here. You know what I mean? So that goes both ways. Um, to do I just said, how are you going to uproot? Years. You're going to uproot your entire life for an extra three million dollars for one season to then what? Turn around and come back to New York? I mean, it's possible, but at the same time, it's like, what the fuck are you thinking? Me and Clem think it might have something to do with the collective bargaining agreement, where he's just trying to get his money up front. But like. Give me a break. At least go back to Cohen and be like, you want to match it? You want to double it? Like, let's work right. something out. That, that's what I mean. Term. That's those are the actions of a guy who wants to leave. Those are the actions of a dude who's yeah. like, I don't want to be here or in this city or with this team or or has some other motives, like you said, <sighs> with you know the future. Uh, you, so like, uh, I, I, to me, that was like a guy who made his mind up, and you know, that sucks. Also, at the same time. How many times have we wanted and expected Thor and we just never got it again? So, yep. you know, we haven't penciled in as our two and three, but is that ever, has that ever really been realistic? He had like, you know, one little short spurt where he, where he showed that side of him. Otherwise, you know, it sucks. It's it's just, I mean, you know, the timing is so sure. fucking terrible. We've been waiting all right. year for a new GM and now they're about to announce it. And then it's just like, yeah, no, that, I mean, there's, it's a negative for sure. The bulk, the, the staff got worse. It's going to be something that we have to fill, but Stroman just congratulated on him leaving town. Yeah. So I mean, he's going to be listen, gone too. Listen, I really think once, once this thing with the GM started going down, I completely shifted my mindset yeah. to like, this is now a long-term thing. And I think that we all need to, strap in for that i don't think this is i think that three to five is long gone if we don't have a real gm and players are going to be leaving 
Um, and I think, you know, the, the reality of the situation is, and we probably should have thought this. I, w- I really wish he never said that three to five years shit, because if, if you told me from the jump, we're going to have to turn around the New York Mets, one of like the biggest laughing stocks in all of sports. I would have told you that's going to take a long fucking time. Like those reports about how we used to have six analytics members and now we're upping that to like 18 and 24. Like there are things where you have to like overhaul the whole organization. And I think that's going to take a long ass time. I think we got our hopes up that it was going to be quick. But now between this weird, what I believe to be a black ball GM situation and, you know, a couple guys here and there decide to bounce. Now, all of a sudden we're talking about like a full blown organizational rebuild instead of a retool. Yeah. And like, just going back to Noah, cause I mean, we've talked about it so much on this show. I feel like we always would be like Loki Thor, which one is he? He pitched, he's pitched two innings in the last two seasons, right? He pitched right. two innings last year. He didn't pitch in the Corona season. That's when, um, remember he got Tommy, he had the Tommy John surgery when like games were canceled. And we're like, how the fuck this whole entire snaga played out in like peak Noah fashion where there was always just something a little off. Um, the last, his last full season, he had a four, two eighty ERA, obviously not great, but before that, I mean, we always talk about Noah is he all right? Three, two, four, two, six, two, nine, seven, three Oh three before that four, two, eight, the fucking talents there. I, yeah. I, I just, again, like, I think you said it perfect, Kev though. Like I just don't understand why he'd want to leave unless he's just like, man, fuck this place. And Hey, like if, if, whether he likes Cohen, doesn't like Cohen or is just like, Sometimes you just need a reboot. You know what I mean? I, I went to freshman year. I went to Seton Hall. I hated it. I had a couple friends, though, who I who I loved. But I was just like, I'm fucking done with this place. I just have to, you know, start fresh. And I, I transferred. And maybe Noah was like that for, like, whatever it is, like six seasons. He's like, I like. there's just enough Mickey Mouse shit in this franchise. I just want to start anew. And, I, I yeah. mean, after a season, you can't even blame him, right? Because the same shit. You have a, a creepy GM. You have a fucking dude passing up behind the wheel away planes. You have all this the nonsense we've talked about. Um, the Angels is an interesting, like, they're like Mets West, it feels like sometimes, where they just Dude, that to me, that says it all to me. Like, this was not like, uh, I'm gonna go to a contender or anything that's like, I'm going West, going to LA where nobody gives a fuck. Like, I I don't know. To me, this is a a Noah move, not like a Mets. Like, I think the Mets probably would have taken him if they, if he would, if they, if he wanted to be. Like, I think this is a decision he made. Uh, that really doesn't have to do with like the Mets as much as the, the future Mets as much as it does with the past Mets. You knew that if he was going to leave, it was going to be another big market because he can't stand to not be in the spotlight. Like now he's going to be in movies in Hollywood and whatever the ever whatever the else fuck he's going to be doing. But at the same time, it's like, did you think that they saw this coming, or were we so busy trying to find a goddamn GM that he's just walking out the back door like, oh, well, I'm well, going to go see where I can get elsewhere, and nobody's paying attention to him. You got to like stroke the ego of these bigger guys. And clearly guess, nobody was no, doing that. No, he's not a bigger guy. He hasn't been for so fucking long. But how do you replace him? Like we were already penciling him in as like he needs to come back oh, because that. like fucking Rich Hill and Cookie yeah. Carrasco, who's communion weight for Carrasco. Like all these guys who we were like, oh, we can maybe rely on them. Like now there's already calls for Scherzer. Scherzer's 38 years old. That's a huge difference. Yeah, he's still at the top of his game. But like. There's not a ton of upside there. You're going to fill him in for like a year or two. And he wants like five years. I'm putting the phone down because there's a cop behind me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But uh, that's why it makes it feel to me like it was like they probably did know on some level. This is weird. (laughs) That that he he wanted to leave because I, I think like the Mets would have, you know, made moves or made a, a bigger offer or whatever. But 
maybe, maybe, you know, maybe there were talks of like, I'm getting out of here. I, I also, I just really, it's hard to convey because it, it was never public, but like the amount of conversations we had in the past about his majority of the time with the Mets was always like, fuck this place. Like if I, if you work somewhere for, what is it? Six years, is it you said? And yeah. you know, five of them were with like a shitty boss and a shitty, you know, infrastructure around you. And then it's like, Hey, we got a new guy in, we're going to turn it around. And you're like, okay, yeah, but you're not really going to turn it around until year like eight or nine. Like, uh, you know, it's not for me, man. I, I just, I think that like on a, on a, uh, a real life level, I think he was just like, you know, I don't want to be like in these hallways, in this locker room, on this field, around these people. Like it, it was not anything uh, from the the Noah that I knew that like he ever really enjoyed it. But uh, you know, I, I I I gotta like reiterate that I haven't spoken to him recently, so like maybe you know I can't put words in his mouth or anything. But I'm just saying personally, I was not surprised like at all, and the fact that he was even over a couple million, like again, not surprised. I thought. I thought he was going to be like, yeah, I'm out. I thought that there was a chance coming off of the, uh, the like he would just do the qualifying offer and try to get a big contract, right. say one year more in New York, because like you said, you're going to uproot your, your life for just one year. But I guess if that's your plan and, and you have some sort of CBA idea, that kind of makes sense, right? Like, let me go. It's like studying abroad. It's like, I'm going to go to <laughs> LA. It's going to be nice. Like I'll pitch my balls off in front of a, a, a franchise, uh, in front of a fan base that like doesn't really care. Nice weather. I'll do my thing and then get big money. You know, if you're going to do a one year flyer, don't do it in a pressure packed New York place where they have a lot of expectations and all, you know, you have a history and all that shit. This is like a clean slate for him to try to ball out for one year to go get like a $200 million deal that I think he always thought he was going to get when he was first coming up as big bad Thor. I just, if that was going to be the case, the team needed to like leak the fact that he's yes. probably not coming back because he said he was coming back. He alluded to the fact he's coming back. He was posting all this shit on Instagram. Like I love New York with like the mosaics and shit that's painted on the walls, literally. And we're looking at See, last year with Strowman who balled out after taking the qualifying think, and now he's going to leave. It's like, it sucks just because you weren't expecting it. Yes. He's, he's playing the game sucks. and he's doing, you know, hashtag LFGM. He's going to make it look like, I want right. it like it's not my fault. I, I don't want these fans blaming me. And uh, if that is the case, yeah, I, the Mets needed to like play. So I think like if it all depends on like the mindset at this point, like I, I probably if I was Steve Cohen right now, I would be thinking like, all right, this is way more of like a convoluted fucking mess than I ever expected. Weird shit going on with trying to fill my GM position. Like this has now become a much long term a much more long-term plan. I don't give a, like, okay, no Syndergaard walks, whatever. But in the short term, like for right now, yeah, they they need something to come out that's like, yeah, Syndergaard had no intention of signing here yeah. or something that makes it look like, uh, you know, it wasn't just, it, it, you cannot let fans believe this is like a $2 million difference. And and you're stupid if you think it is. We're, 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 we're reading that they're not going to care about the luxury tax, but you think that he's not, we're not willing to give Noah $2 million more. Like something's not adding up here. And it's because I think the guy just made up his mind. Yeah, no, I think that's hundred percent right. And I'm not, again, I can't, I can't even like blame him if he hates the place or whatever. If it was a five-year deal for, you know, 200 million, 150 million, you're just like, you know, you're not willing to go that far for a guy coming off Tommy John. I'd say, Hey, that's fine. But a right. one-year deal where it's like $2 million more and you have the richest owner in the sport, just ready to fucking pay him. I, w- I would love to know 
because this whole Epler thing, right? So that's the other side of this. And we're going to talk about Epler in a minute. Um, Epler used to be the Angels GM. Signs here. Apparently him and Moreno had like, they butted heads a bit. And that was, I think, part of the reason why people think his tenure ended the way it did. Um, I wonder if it's like they signed. I can't imagine it'd be this far, but like they signed Epler, fuck them. Cohen and Moreno, right? They don't like each other. Moreno was one of the guys who voted against Cohen, right? So maybe he's like, let's go fucking sign Noah. Fuck these guys. We're the Angels. We always need pitching, and they go from there, right? I like, I, I can't throw that out. Like, rich yeah, guys are I mean, pettier than anyone else in the world. I, I it, you know, I, it might be that Cohen really has more bullseyes on his back than than like we ever anticipated. I, I. I fucking as long as you know, I, I love the idea of it because when he finally does turn this shit around, it's gonna be like fuck you, it's us against right. the world. But in the short term, it's much more like ah, Jesus Christ, I didn't I didn't think that there was gonna be any major issues with this. Uh, but I guess if, the, if people have like a personal problem with this dude, then eh, let's go to war then. You know. Well, and like on the flip side, we're getting a ton of draft picks. Like, if they wanted to build the farm and that was their main focus, like, yeah, now we have them out the fucking ass. But it's like, <laughs> now we have to wait. I also, yeah, I mean, I, listen, dude, we have to wait. Like, <sighs> wipe this fucking idea from your brain that we're going anywhere anytime soon. We, we, we have, like, a, we're, we're, we're signing a GM with the intention of signing another GM in the future already. Like, we are officially, <laughs> we are officially into long-term planning. Which is what we should have been all, all along. We all along should have said, dude, the New York Mets are one of the biggest laughing stocks in all of sports. And you think we're gonna we think we're gonna turn it around in three years? Why? How is that the there are there are franchises that are in great shape that, that are built to win who aren't gonna get the job done in three years. We have to overhaul everything from top to bottom. It's gonna take fucking forever. And and now we have to do it with like people working against us. Now we have to do it swimming upstream. So yeah, no, it's it's gonna be a long term thing, and and I know like fans fans who think that I'm uh, like carrying their water or never say anything bad about them. It's not that. It's just that if you if you're in the the long term mentality, this is like these are early lumps and bumps that you're gonna take in order to turn it around and be like a long term sustained success type of franchise. And when that happens, that's when you look back at the first few years, not the first you know, the one season or the first off season, uh, the first like several years where it was like, yeah, this shit was ugly for a while because I mean, I still genuinely believe something weird was up with this GM situation. I, 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 I don't think there's any other explanation. Like there's no logical explanation. There's it's, it's only kind of conspiratorial shit where it's like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. And that kind of will take, I guess we'll kind of just pivot to Epler right now. Um, first of all, Electric picture. Did you guys see the picture of him in the shades where it just says Billy Epler yeah. under the sign? So I, I could, I could kind of like, I'm like, all right, I'm starting to fucking warm up on this fucking idiot here. Uh, again, the yeah, there we go. <laughs> everyone, everyone throw your shades on. Fuck it. Yeah, I'm gonna throw some shades on too. Where I'm, I just, I just blogged it. We have the podcast up on the blog, so we're gonna go Billy Epler style the rest of this fucking, um, rest of this podcast. Uh, the guy who basically wasted Mike Trout's first half of his prime and can't like put it together pitching staff to save his life. Not the best look right off the bat for uncle Stevie, but we are, we are in fucking arrested development. I believe that's the word for it. We're like just in baseball purgatory right now where it's like, we waited two years for uncle Stevie to sign on the bottom line. We had last year where it was like this fucking weird year where we never really truly had our GM and our, like the whole Sandy 
double GM and this whole front office he had planned. Now we are signing a GM without a president of baseball operations. And now we're being told that him and that Epler and David Stearns are boys. Stearns is a diehard Mets fan. The Brewers won't let him interview, but he wants to come here. You know, the score reported that the other day. And like, we're in this suspended animation where we're just like, I just want to come. Just let me come. That's all I want. Just like put we got this blue balls. We got baseball. We got baseball blue balls. We're edging. Yeah. We're, edging we're edging here. And we're going to have to edge for like another season and a half before we can come, Clem. Yeah, and we have orange and blue balls. There it is. Like, that's the fucking title of the episode. Orange and blue balls. We're fucking... So, <laughs> uh, Kyle Kyle made me feel a little better. I saw he tweeted some stuff out of We Gotta Believe on the on the tw- on Twitter that, he, like, um, you know, this he, like, he, was in, he was the assistant GM of the Yankees, and he was seen as, like, a, a bright baseball mind. Moreno is just, like, an absolute shit, shit can of an owner, so yeah, you like, don't know what like, you're going to mean, Granted, we've had bad GMs under the Wilpons, so, yes, they do deserve the blame. But, like, if you have a competent baseball mind under the Wilpons, would you blame them or, or the Wilpons? You blame a shitty owner, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Like, anything that happens in, in Anaheim has to be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt. But that being said, we can kind of sugarcoat this and talk, you know, like kind of defend this or, or spin this. This sucks. Like, this sucks. Your main guy, your main – the dude is supposed to be, like, running your team – is a fucking nobody like who, or, or even, you know, worse than that, a guy who's known for like wasting big talent. That's, this is not good. This is not good. Yeah. I, the only, the only hope by the only solace I'm taking is that like, this isn't really Steve Cohen's pick. We know it's not, we know that he was like, well, you know, we're on our fucking 11th choice. We got to fucking pick somebody. So, you know, knowing that it's more of like, we had to sign this guy. Not we wanted to sign this guy makes me feel better that like we're not morons but it doesn't make me feel better about what's about to happen because i have no i really have no you know when, when we start the fucking uh the off season being like let's go talk to billy bean and uh theo epstein and we end up with fucking this guy you know that's not it's also a situation where like he knows that we're desperate and we have to sign somebody so when the numbers come out i'm assuming he's getting a big payday and also it's going to be long-term where it's going to be like got to be three years, right? You're not taking that job. Otherwise he was about to build the entire baseball branch of the new uh, sports agency where their top player was Carlos Correa. Like they just put him in charge of that whole thing. He was there for two months to leave that up to come to the Mets. So you're not doing that and giving up all that on like a short term notice. He could just wait a year and, and get hired by Stearns. If you really wanted to wait. Is there truth to this idea that Stearns wants to come? He said it's because a precarious situation because he can't speak on it and he knows he's not allowed to interview, but he knows the Mets right. want him. But like, so to me, the, 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 the Brewers denying that is like and a big, like that seems like a guy who would want to come here, right? Like, like, why else would you stop the guy? Yeah, well, and that just comes back to this entire like uh, the black ball or whatever the fuck is going on situation with this. And is it is it that these that all these people were turning it down because they knew if it wasn't a black ball situation, is it that no one wanted to work for Sandy for a year, knowing that they're going to new Boston Stearns next year? But like, how do you just not get an interview before this effort? You have like twenty guys turning you down. It just makes no fucking sense. Uh, That's why I, I just don't know how else to like spin it. And not even spin it. I'm just trying to make sense of it. Like that's. I'm. I'm just hoping that behind the scenes, Stearns wants to come. 
Cohen's like, yeah, we're going to get him. Let me go get one of his boys who's basically going to like take a back seat when he does get here or whatever. I don't know. And all of this sounds so stupid and far-fetched. We're now talking about secret, you know, agreements amongst friends because you can't interview, but it's like, how else are we supposed to make sense of what just happened here? It's not, it's not even like an LOL Mets thing. This is, there's only fucking a handful of these jobs on the planet earth. And if you have a chance to interview for them, you fucking take the interview, you take the job. And if you don't, and you're not, something is going on. It's yeah, crazy. It, it, it all leads back to that. I mean, all this shit, the Noah stuff, the Epler stuff, it leads back to whatever the fuck's going on with the Cohen interviews and whatever it is. I don't know where it starts, where it ends. Uh, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, Epler, like, I'll at least give him a shot. Like, I, I was straight up. <laughs> we had him, and then we had the other dude who was, like, a lawyer, and then there was all the Trump stuff involved, right? And I was like, oh, motherfucker, here we yeah. are. Well, this one, I saw fucking Rosenthal or somebody wrote an article about, like, oh, like, he got saddled with Pujols contract. He wasted away Trout and Otani. And oh, by the way, Ty- he tried to pin the Tyler Skaggs overdose ah, on Epler. I saw that. And I was like, that was crazy. Fuck? How do you jump? That was that? nuts. That was like anything. It's a trainer and whatever else was going on. And that that's was that, insane. Like, with that, like, I just want I, if if he's gonna suck at his job, just be a nobody that we never hear from. Like, I don't care if you're yeah, going to be shit yeah. to your job. I can't have any more headlines. We can't have a third GM get fired within a year. Also, That's the biggest thing. you know, I mean, what was he? Is he responsible for guys like Trout and Otani and some of the bright spots of Anaheim? Can we not, like, look at this from the bright side in a way? Because <laughs> I need something right now, boys. I need something. He extended Trout indefinitely. He's going to keep I him mean, there for yeah, like, listen, career. He and he Otani. Yeah, listen, the way I'm going to view this. This guy signed the two best players in baseball, okay? <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. You know what? When the Yankees, when the Yankees couldn't <laughs> land Otani, and you got like the Franceses of the world being like, oh, this is the biggest mistake ever made. The Yankees dodged a bullet. Who was there getting Otani? It was Epler. When they when we got when they when he had a chance to get Mike Trout, what did he do? He put 400 million on the table. Epler knows what's up. Epler is the truth. Yo, imagine walking into that room, fucking Mike Trout is just sitting there. He's probably like eating like saltines or something because he's nothing extravagant, right? And then it comes <laughs> badass Billy Epler, shades on, just sits down to negotiate. Go, Mike, you're signing with the fucking Angels. I ain't leaving here without your fucking signature or your brains on this contract. And he's like, exactly. Right, I'm not badass Billy. I fucking bend the knee. It's fucking Otani, two way superstar. Like, he's like making up awards of how great this guy is. Epler signed him for like twenty dollars. He signed him for twenty fucking. Feet. It was unbelievable. The fucking guy is a genius. He's like, oh, we should be calling like GM of the year, executive of the year is now called Epler of the year because he knew to sign Otani. Okay. Yep. Yep. You see, he, he like wrestled away from the Yankees. I'm sure there was like the Dodgers were involved and shit like that. He went to fucking Anaheim. He went to and no one goes to Anaheim. Like people who go to Disney don't even want to go to Anaheim. <laughs> oh, we are fucking good, man. We are. I, I love mean, the spin zone going on here. <laughs> oh shit! It's like um, I, I gotta hope he. So he's he's been big with the splashes for free agency. You can't even deny that because he got Rendon signed Otani. Hang on, my back. Signed Trout. Yes. So you gotta hope maybe Sandy will just take care of the farm. Sandy will take care of the farm and the pitching. And then he just gets Uncle Stevie's money to go run wild with during free agency. That's all you can hope for. 
And, and oh. that's the thing is, so like the draft picks does matter too, right? Like um, we have our draft pick. We have the draft pick from, uh, what's his name? Um, Kumar Rocker. Rocker. And then the comp pick, which I guess if we don't sign a guy who accepted the qualifying offer, and then we could have Conforto's qualifying, we get a comp pick from him too, right? So that would be four you picks. We get Conforto and Syndergaard, and we have the rollover from last year. So we have like yeah. four or five picks in the top like 80 picks of the draft. I just need to hear how fucking good this – I need to hear this is like the best draft of all time. Like I think 23 in the NBA, that's like the double lottery pick they call it, the double lottery draft because you could have high schoolers coming in. It's just going to be all this talent. Tell me like there's nothing but 120-mile-per-hour arms in this draft. <laughs> yeah. Bro, I'm telling you, if you reshift your mind to long-term, this is all going to be a good thing. Yeah, does it suck that we're going to like end up wasting DeGrom? Sure. Does it suck that this is going to be a much longer plan than we initially thought? Absolutely. But now we're stacking picks. We're stacking money. We're planning for the future. I mean, that's all I got. That's all I can do. I don't know, man. I'm trying my hardest here. Somebody just tweeted. <laughs> this woman just tweeted out a picture of her and her seven-year-old daughter. She said, we were, we're at uh, Disney World right now. We were in Cinderella's castle having a good time. And now my seven-year-old is crying because we just heard the news. Noah Syndergaard is gone. I mean, listen, no it's, it's not a good, it's not good. But if you're if you're crying over Noah Syndergaard, like I mean, it's not like we lost to Grom here. We're talking about a guy who hasn't pitched in multiple years, hasn't pitched well in several years. Does, does clearly doesn't want to be here. It's like sometimes you got to just say, "All right, man, do you peace." How much yeah. extra money is Strowman about to receive? Because yeah, I feel I mean, like now Uncle Stevie's calling him up, like whatever number you're asking for, like you got. I mean, otherwise you're on top of it. Otherwise, Fuck. we're talking like you roll into this season. Like, can we, is there tanking in baseball? Can we tank? Because at that yeah, point, did it for just, years. worked out for them. I was going to say at that point, just blow this the fuck up, yeah. trade, trade Jake, trade every, you know, I mean, what are you going to do if you roll in there with like a one man rotation? Uh, God, I just saw this too. Someone tweeted it at me, the picture of the five aces or whatever in Bartolo. And it's only DeGrom is the only the last one. I know. Yeah. I know, man. Crazy. I can't like it's unbelievable. That's fifth. We made the World Series in 15. Everyone was there and everyone was healthy ish. Right. And now everyone's just gone except for Jake, who, you know, was on the DL for the second half of the season this year. It's what, it's not easy. what, what do we got, pal? How we doing? What are you thinking? We got Joe DeMeo on. Let's do it, Joe. <laughs> What's going on? How you feeling? Well, uh, cheery news for us? <laughs> figured, figured I'd chime in. You know, let's, yeah. let's talk a little of what's going on here. Yeah, what, where, where are you at on the whole thing? Like, we've been talking about, I think there's some sort of collusion going on with the with the GM. I, I personally believe Syndergaard probably wanted to leave. Uh, big picture and small picture. What do you got right now over the last, you know, few weeks? I mean, obviously, the GM search was very difficult to follow. I mean, I was crazy. Start, I was getting excited about this person, that person. And it just constantly was an issue. Uh, I honestly think it's a mix of things. I think there there are some people that are concerned with what Sandy Ellerson's role is. Um, I think there are people out there that are concerned about Steve Cohen, where he has to prove himself. In, in, no, what rega- in what regard, though? Like, what is what can an owner do to prove himself other than call? Right? What's that? Yeah. What's that? Yeah, unfortunately, it's time. He can only prove. Yeah, right. Like, but that's the, the idea what? in the game. From what I've heard, is 
there are some people that are worried that he is George Steinbrenner reincarnated, which there's good sides of George Steinbrenner and there's bad sides of George Steinbrenner. Um, one thing that people don't talk about with George very often is he struggled to get people to come work for him. Cashman, yeah, perfect blend where it worked, but people didn't want to work for George because there was fear of, you know, but why? Yeah. What what has happened? Is there something I'm missing or something behind the scenes? Or do people really just are they just afraid of him because of fucking billions? Like, what has he done so far that has been so bad? He hasn't done anything. That's that's the thing. Yeah. I think it, it's just a, a preconceived notion, I think. Right. From some. Yo, people. Here's what um, needs to happen. Steve Cohen needs to sit down for an interview with We Gotta Believe because this guy needs to explain. Yeah. He needs to put out there who he is, that he's not some fucking. Yeah like shark who will like eat your rip your head off if, if you fuck up he's not some criminal he's not he's like a right. normal dude who has done everything in his power he's made the right calls he's gotten he's gotten interviews or at least conversations with theo and billy bean and like all he yeah. all an owner can do is put that out there and if yeah. either a nobody wants to come or b someone's like colluding to make sure nobody can even interview with you what can you do and honestly and i keep going back to this but the fan base has to step up at some point and be a good fan base and realize that it is just a matter of time. Like yeah. as an owner, there's only so much you can do. So back our guy now, because it's going to take a little bit longer than you fucking wanted. It's not, you can't be a child about this. Like I want a world series right now. So Sorry, what, one going. thing, one thing that I think to note too, with the Dodgers, like everyone's saying the Dodgers are the model, right? And when the Guggenheim group bought the Dodgers, whenever they bought them, Number one, they kept their GM in place that they had for four years before because they were waiting for that great GM to come. And it took them nine years to win a World Series. And it was the Mickey Mouse 60 game World Series. Right. Right. So I wish Steve Cohen never said three to five years. I think Agreed. he put himself into a hole. It's very hard to win a World Series. And uh, but honestly, yeah. wouldn't wouldn't you? I would rather him now come out and say that. Like, I'd rather honesty is the fucking way to go with this shit. If he stepped up and said, you know what? I was real excited. I was a little bit like, uh, you know, optimistic. I thought that we were going to, I thought that we had a really good core that I could come in here and just put them over the top. And I'm now realizing, you know, we got to shift our expectations. I so much rather that than, than, you know, I, I, and, I, and by the way, the ones that are concerned that he's going to be Steinbrenner, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy because the more you string him <laughs> along and the more people yeah. that he can't hire and can't do anything, he's going to be like, fuck everyone and just blow past whatever the luxury tax is yeah. and yeah. just try to buy his way to the championship because he's like that. He's going to be the guy who I made this promise and now I have to come through on it. Otherwise, I know I'm going to get dragged. Clem, yeah. do you remember when we first got Cohen the first time around? <laughs> we were, I said, I, I said, dude, this is amazing because we are going to win a World Series in the next 10 years. I was like, take it to the bank. We're going to get one in 10 years. But I, I, you know, I gave three to five times longer, a double, double what fucking Cohen gave himself. And I was okay with that as a fan. I was like, it's all good. In the next week, we've suffered for 35 years. In the next 10, we're going to get one. And then he came along and got us all excited by saying three to five. And because we thought we had a good core and DeGrom, we thought it was possible. And now we're realizing it's not. But if he, if it takes 10, that's fucking okay. That's they, how long it's probably going to take. They haven't right. won in my life. What do I want? Right. I don't give a crap. <laughs> right. That's the thing. And that's where I really fucking wish our fan base would get on board with that and yeah. be the reasonable fan base. But right now, I mean, we're, 
it's just crazy to me to think we've never won a World Series in pretty much all of our lifetimes. And we got fans out here being like, how come we're not winning the World Series right now? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The Braves won, and I actually had like a deep, dark like moment in the back of my head. And I was like, if I die before this fucking team wins anything, I don't know what I'm going to do on my deathbed. Like, oh, he said three to five. But even, <laughs> even those are your last words. Uh, yeah. Honestly, uh, I mean, I'm so encouraged by hearing those reports that we have like tripled the oh, yeah. analytics team. And oh, and by the way, yeah. that fucking thing yesterday, two days ago, whenever that went viral. Uh, not viral, but around yeah. Mets Twitter yeah. being like no baseball experience required for a fucking internship, right. a two month summer internship, analytics you, internship you, at that, not right, like but, a, you know pitching coach internship, <laughs> right? You know that it was just a, a cube monkey. Like we need you to go through our Excel data. Right. No baseball, you know. I mean, come on. Everything. The people that be... work at NASA don't know everything about fucking space. They're math guys. Right. They're right. How to put me on the moon? I don't care everything that happens once you get in the spacecraft. Like that guy also that's going to put together the algorithm that finds you the next great player. Like that's all you need them for. Oh, bro, forget about that. That that position was somebody go get coffee. It was a literal <laughs> summer internship. Give yeah. me a break, I mean, guys. Come on. Ultimately, I think analytics, kind of to what Kyle said, like baseball knowledge like the honestly the last thing you want in your analytics department mm-hmm. is to be skewed by like old school right. baseball knowledge you want so to be inventive creative trying to find the next thing you don't want them to be you know sitting there and uh going off some old school thought processes and it's probably a lot easier to teach these ivy league kids baseball lingo than it is to teach the like, other you know, way around the state yeah. school how to build predictive Analytical yeah. models. What I want, I want a whole team of nerds who is just looking at numbers and arbitrage and all that shit, building a, a, a you know a, a, ros- a, a payroll, and then I want you know some old school scouts and guys with a good eye, and then you have a guy in the middle who is hopefully not fucking Epler in the long term, who makes a decision based on both of those things. Yeah. What do, what do you what do you think about Epler? Do you have any any yeah, upside think- or? I think he's the best, certainly the best that they could have gotten once they got out of that grouping of Theo Stearns, uh, Bean and Matt Arnold was probably even next for me after that. I think he made more sense than any of these assistants they were talking to. Uh, ultimately, what's one thing everybody wants? Sandy Allerson not making baseball decisions. <laughs> Yo, I, I hear you and I get that. But also, do we not forget that like coming into last year, nobody really had a problem with Sandy? Oh yeah, we we all know, you know it's recency, right? And it's right, just, like it's the way man. it is. But to me, I think it's I think it's a good thing that they're bringing in someone that's capable. And Sandy, from everything that I've heard, genuinely did not want to do baseball anymore. Like, right? He, he wants to be an advisor. He wants to sit at the table. Which he's going to the Hall of Fame one day. So if he wants to give me advice on the side, feel free. But they hired someone that. You know, there's a lot of things that we can question about him. Obviously, the Angels' lack of success, the pitching staff that he was in, unable to build. Um, that owner is, let's just call him difficult to work for. So he, mm-hmm. that's even almost a positive. So if you have these preconceived notions about Cohen, he probably can't be worse than Artie Moreno. Uh, so what, what, what do you think? What do you think, Epler? If you were Epler, what would like your introductory press conference sound like? What would you say? I would say that, you know, I'm coming back to New York, which is where I'm, you know, I was born and bred here. I love New York. I think the Mets have an opportunity to succeed. We have an ownership that's willing to put up a payroll that like 
in my so Joe's estimation is the Mets are gonna have the highest payroll next year in baseball. Mm-hmm. So uh, the assets are there as far as financial. Um, there is an infrastructure in place organizationally. You know, the scouting department, the team's mostly homegrown, and it's been the same scouting department for the last decade plus. So they can mm-hmm. draft, they can scout. The analytics department's getting built up, and I would say there is still pieces of a core. I think the reality is the core that we thought the Mets had just wasn't the right core. The core, yeah, they it's not the real core. Year. They haven't done anything in years. What would? Yeah. What's the need to keep bringing back the same band and being like, well, they're going to live up to their potential this time? It's right. time to just shake this damn thing up. And yeah. um, I think Epler's a guy that's ready to come in day one, run baseball operations. He doesn't need his handheld. Like the guy Adam Cromie that was rumored, Sandy Alderson would basically have had to completely run baseball, and he would and Cromie would just sit there and have like, yeah, we don't want that. Yeah, Uh, they have a guy that's ready to run baseball operations, and how good he is, time will tell. And uh, of course, they're going to keep pushing the David Stern's best friend thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, maybe a couple years from now, you're building that two-headed monster at the top with one of the biggest analytic team. teams in in the sport and scouting and player development and you know there's reasons to be optimistic i'm not jumping for joy over Eckler, but he's probably he's definitely the best they could have gotten him i get yeah. why they go with the stern's angle but i don't want that as like the precursor okay. to the next year when we don't fucking get him and it's like i don't need any other like side yeah. note reference whatever just say mm-hmm. this is the guy we wanted to hire because we wanted him. oh yeah no, i don't want it like yeah. down the sure. road type of thing because that was the whole thing with sandy we're like oh we got sandy so then obviously Billy Bean's going to want to work here and oh yeah. we have Billy Bean so obviously like we're going to get uh the athletics manager it's like I don't need any of that I just want the one guy to come in and do what we pay him to do and they hired someone that's capable to do it that's what's important right. like if they hired one of these assistants and painted right. that future Stearns picture I think it's a lot worse but they hired someone who's actually capable of doing the job when when you say you think the Mets will have the highest payroll like what who do you think what do, you, what do you think the team the looks like? Yeah. Like, who, who I, do you think we're going after? Who do you think we're going I assume okay. Baez is back. I think at this point they're – So, I wait, let's know. say – Okay, so Syndergaard gone. Stroman, mm-hmm. Conforto. Yep. Well, Stroman, not necessarily. I think Stroman okay. – I think there's a possibility you see Stroman back because what one thing that we have to account for with the Syndergaard deal is – Obviously, it's from an emotional standpoint, it stinks that he's gone. But from like a logical baseball standpoint, the Mets just added $18.5 million more that they could spend. And mm-hmm. a spot in rotation for a guy that's thrown two innings in the last two years, are you really able to rely on him? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I think this would be a lot better if there was a big pitcher on the market. I think right. we'd be a lot happier. You know, it would be a lot easier to swallow if it was like, Okay, we're gonna go turn around and get like uh, if there was like a Garrett Cole on the market. But sure. like when people are talking about Scherzer, it's like, well, you know, replacing some guy that we thought was maybe gonna be here for the entire prime of his career with like a thirty-eight, uh, you know, how old you're old. It's like uh, it's Scherzer, it's Kershaw, and it's Verlander. So it's like if we were one year away and we think, hey, like let's hope all these guys can recapture the magic. Like, yeah, go pay them all for a year, and then hopefully you just put together a crazy run. But like. If those are the guys on the market and Berrios just got extended for seven years, like the market's going to be barren. And we're also going up against the Blue Jays are looking to add to their starting rotation. Like they know that they're on the cusp of winning and they're going to go out there and try to get all the guys. That they're know. Gonna try to go and, after. I, so like, and that's, I, I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but doesn't this all add up to thinking uh, like our window is just not right now. And now is the time for patience. I, 
Maybe. I mean, it, it really depends how they work this offseason, right? They they yeah. re- like to me, what makes Epler in a sense a good thing is this offseason is probably the biggest offseason they've had in years where they they cannot miss. Otherwise, to your point, if they miss this offseason, they're gonna fall into a really but, tough spot. But that's what I mean. Like, do I also don't feel like they are one offseason away from hitting. Like, I don't think they're in position really, not only because of them, but uh, because of the like the market itself. I just don't think they're in a spot to be like, okay, if it all goes well, we're winning the title next year. You, per, I mean, probably right. But you, what you want to do is really build up this team as much as you can so that, all right, maybe you don't win this year, but you're in position where 2023 could be a little better. Or right, right. Um, so for me, my rotation, I'd, I'd bring Stroman back and I'd sign John Gray from Colorado, who I think would be similar type upside that Noah has, but I'm pretty confident he's actually going to go pitch 150 plus innings. McMahon, so, what do you think about the Mets? Mets? Tell me, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a hilarious organization. You son of a bitch. What, I'm going to let. Like, what do you guys have? You got no second baseman. You got a shortstop who was good in Cleveland, but then he moved. He probably did. Right, and that's Goalie. That's Goalie, folks. I'm gonna let uh, I'm gonna let Joe D fill in for me. I got to do a little uh, behind the blog, but you guys keep chopping up and let me know when uh, I should kill myself. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Fuck you, McMahon. Um, Joe, I got to ask. Obviously, PSL the flushing. The uh, is that PSL the flushing? Right. That's the exact yeah, Twitter that, t- tag. Uh, so we're dealing with every line of the Mets here. So the big thing here is we're also getting a comp pick. We're going to be yeah. in a comp pick for Conforto. We're going to have our, our Kumar Rocker pick plus our own pick. Is this draft? Do you know anything about the draft here? Are we looking like, like – tell me this is the best draft in 50 years. There's a there's a mantle, a maze, a bonds, and a fucking trout, as well as like the five better versions of Syndergaard out there. Do you know anything early, about this right now? Early indications are it's one of the stronger drafts of the last, let's call it, five years. Um, so it's a strong draft. It's a deep draft are what early indications are. And we're – I'm at the age now. I'm 33. I'll be 34 in a couple months, but I'm 33. I am now officially at the age where players who I really, really remember playing sons are getting the draft. Uh, Two of the top, probably 15 prospects in the draft. Andrew Jones' son. Okay. Wow. So, um, no, but it's a strong draft. And ultimately, I tweeted about the picks that they're going to have. And I got read the room and people freaking out like shit. It's, it's part of the equation and they need to build up this farm system. It doesn't mean you don't go sign a bunch of really good players right now, but you, if you have these picks, this farm system that right now has some really, really high end talent with Alvarez and Beatty and Mauricio and Mark Vientos and JT Ginn and Matt Allen, when he comes off Tommy John takes a really big kind of dip after that grouping you have the chance in one draft class to flip this system from you know a top a 20 to 21st ranked system to a top 10 system in the game overnight basically and that's a plus what are your thoughts on castellanos because at first i didn't think we were going to pursue him because they didn't want to lose the compensation pick but now that we have an extra one to play around with do you think they're going to go try to get him to fill conforto's hole no, I don't. Uh, I still don't think I'm going to sign a qualifying offer free agent. And because uh, at the end of the day, the comp pick that they're getting here. So Cindergard goes, that pick's going to be in like the 60s. It's going to be after the second round. 
So it's not exactly a wash to lose the 14th overall pick to get a pick in the 60s. Um, yeah. So I don't think so. And honestly, Castellanos is a hell of a hitter, but to me, he's kind of a DH that you fake it in the outfield. And I want to see some defense. Like Starling Marte is one of my top targets. I want Marte. You shift Nimmo over to left. Then you're having really good defense in two-thirds of the outfield. You have one more outfield spot still to fill. Um, But Marte, to me, reminds me of, in a way, like signing Curtis Granderson back in the day, where it's like he's a little older. He's probably got limited time left in center field. But the guy can hit, and he can run. to me, Stalling Marte should be one of the prime targets, and he doesn't have a qualifying offer attached to him. So that, to me, even makes him more valuable. Yeah, I'm with you on Marte. I mean, obviously he's older, which is a little bit of a concern, but I, you can't. I, I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that a team's going to like have a like a crazy long contract for that you have to match with four, the money too. Right? I, I, I think the first team that goes to four years will get him because I think everyone wants him for three, and I think the first team that goes to four probably gets him and. Look, we're we're at the we're gonna time now. We're going to overcompensate now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That's that's what the advantage of Steve Cohen is supposed to be. Obviously, like you can spin that in the Cindergard thing, right? Like, well, they could have given him three million dollars more, and they could have kept him. But you know, that's what having Steve Cohen is, in my opinion. It's the ability to do that extra year, go that little extra money. But I think if you took this from just a baseball logic standpoint, the Syndergaard thing makes all the sense in the world. You offered him $18 million off two innings in the last two years. He got more and you're like, I could reinvest this money and get a draft pick. All right, we'll, we'll go for it. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a very, very interesting off season. And obviously there's a lot of shit yeah. hitting the plan there. Before you came on, we were saying it, we don't think it would have stung as much if it didn't feel like we were just blindsided by it because it just seemed like yeah. a foregone conclusion that he was coming back. Um, I'm also I was also hearing that Strowman's looking out west as well. I don't think he's going to sign with us. I think if we do throw a certain number at him, he obviously will because he's got family here and he likes it in New York and everything like that. But it sounds like he's heading west also now, from what I was hearing. So I mean, it's much. possible, but I I I am a firm believer, and I think. Uh, we always overhype these scenarios. 99% of free agents go to whatever the most money is on a deal. Like there's always those select few that'll take less to go somewhere else. But remember last year, all we were talking about was George Springer and his family from Connecticut. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right, right. He, he got, if the Mets offered as much money as the Blue Jays did, then he probably would be a Met. But yeah. the Blue Jays offered more. So he's like, well, guess what? I'll just go to Canada instead. So uh, ultimately, these guys are going to take the money, and you wonder if the Mets will feel any pressure to be aggressive on Stroman after losing Syndergaard, because I don't think they expected it either, to be totally honest. Right. Um, so that's something to watch. And, you know, if they lose Stroman, all right, we're we're, we're really uh, going to have to get creative here. Um, yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, now we're looking back to it's like now you're just filling rotation spots. You have DeGrom, who, again, you just like at DeGrom at this point, you just have to be like, He's coming back. He's going to be healthy because you can't imagine a world where that's not the case, right? Because that's worst case scenario. We're basically fucked right off the jump. Carrasco, it's like, all right, get an opener for him. That'll fix all his issues with the first inning. And he was actually pretty good after that. But now it's like, 
the Petersons, the um, McGills, right? It's like those guys are, are – those are suddenly four or five guys where it was like they were kind of five, six guys and depth uh, for, for the rotation. And it's getting towards that real quick. And then you're looking at your Rich Hill kind of Band-Aids. Obviously, Taiwan's back, and you need good Taiwan, not bad Taiwan. Right. But, uh, yeah. I'm optimistic I mean, we- about Taiwan, actually, in a big way because to me uh, – so this year, obviously, the second half was really rough, but it was the most innings he basically threw almost in his yeah. career. So he yep. was healthy. He did his thing. I think his arm, he just hit dead arm. That's what I think. He just hit a dead arm period where he just didn't have it. And then he turned it on a little bit at the very, very end of the season when it didn't matter. But uh, I'm optimistic about Taiwan. Carrasco, Carrasco is probably the biggest thing outside of DeGrom at this point where mm-hmm. you need, you need cookie. You not a yeah. communion <laughs> wafer. <laughs> you need cookie back. And he's been good for, basically his whole career. And I mean, it's the story of the Mets in a sense, right? Every t- they bring someone in that's had this long sustained career of success and, and they come to the Mets and it hits the fan. Yep. It, oh God. Yeah. The, the fact that Lindor is wearing number 12, you get Alomar flashbacks from Cleveland, right? And it's like, Oh, I don't, I don't need that. But I, I think, and that's the other thing I, we, we didn't really even touch on this, but with the pitching staff, cause now obviously there's, there's a hole in the staff. I do think like there's going to be a move made, whether it's Dom being moved out, McNeil, JD Double Davis Davis, you know, part of that core that I don't think is going to come back, uh, you know, fully, even Nimmo. Um, I think now it's like a starter, even if it's a, you know, back of the end rotation guy, maybe that's the move that they end up making. Because if, you know, if Baez does come back and we have Cano here, which I mean, I guess that's kind of the DH, which God willing comes Third base, I mean, if Bryant or if that's an option or whoever they get there, but like there's not a lot of positions that are third base. I think they'll go short term at third base because I do think they have visions with Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos who are on the cusp. I mean, those both those guys are going to be in triple A. So it's not like like people are talking about the Yankees and shortstops and they're like, well, they got these guys in single A where they're years away. A lot of things could go wrong. These guys are on the doorstep. So I'm thinking you see something short term at third. Bryant does make sense with his versatility, though. You could say, hey, play for a year, and then you go play right field going forward. So yeah. it could be an option, but I would guess short-term at third base. Um, and starting pitching, you need numbers, man. That's what it comes down to. I mean, when we went into spring last year before Carrasco got her and everything happened, like I remember being like, man, they got five rock-solid starters and they got Joey Lucchese as a six. They got Yamamoto. Yeah, everything yeah. seemed, you know, good. And we didn't even, I mean, I mean, I, I knew, I knew, sure. Yeah. We knew, who we, <laughs> we, I knew who Tyler McGill was, but no one else did. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought he was a reliever and lo and behold, he became, became one of the most important starters. So you need numbers in the rotation. That's what I think. I hope they learn that lesson that they need to add depth. Like you said, maybe they're trading a JD Davis and it's not, J.D. Davis and something for impact third baseman Matt Chapman or something like that. Maybe it's J.D. Davis for young, controllable starting pitcher that has minor league options. So if they don't make the rotation, they could be in triple A because you need you need 10. You need 10 starters that you could count on to get through a season. The Braves are a perfect example. Like, there's no one you're really pointing to there where you're like, well, that guy was a stud and carried them the whole way through. I mean, they had some guys just emerge at the end when they needed them, but. You know, you're, you're pitching by committee in the major leagues, star world series right. games. Right. <laughs> and shot. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Uh, but yeah, de- to me, depth is key. And then they're going to make a couple impactful moves. 
I, I think you're going to see two to three big moves. And then Outside. from there, it's about it's about hitting on the mid-level moves. When you acquire these stars, for the most part, generally speaking, they're going to perform the way they should. Uh, and I mean, we should be talking about VR being like the greatest pickup in the history of the Mets if they made it to the playoffs last year. Yeah. It would be solely on that guy's shoulders that came out of nowhere to be like the X Factor to put it over the top. Yeah, you need to find – all right, this year's VR. Like I yeah. don't know exactly who that is, but who is this year's VR? Or Kevin Flar was useful, obviously, for the team. Taiwan Walk. And, like, everyone's thinking big money. And, they're like I said, they're going to do big money things. But you or I could be the GM if we just need to spend Steve's money on big, talented players. The point in hiring Billy Epler and the point of building up this analytics department to almost 30 people is so you're finding the Taiwan Walkers or you're finding the Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray signed for one year and $7 million last year at Toronto, and he's going to win the Cy Young probably. Mm -hmm. So the key is to use these really smart people and make the smart moves. That's where, that's the difference between being, you know, a solid to good team and a great team. In my opinion. No, it's, it's fair. And again, I think that's the thing that gets lost in this is everyone talks about, Oh, they missed Springer, which Springer would have driven us nuts last year. If he had all those injuries, right. Until like July. Yeah. And then then this became like an Alar stand podcast. Like that was our squad and the bench mob and all that. And it was Villar, Pilar and, um, and Tywin Walker made an all-star team. It's like they, they did all right in free agency last year and whatever those numbers, if they could spit them out again. And then if they're spending, they're kind of spending on the next tier of kind of uh, stars. Like I have, I don't want to say like full, you know, confidence in the front office right now, but I feel like we'll do all right with that. The, the problem with the Wilpons is they would never actually, you know, the the money that we missed out on, and again, like think about this. Springer and Bauer, those are the two guys we missed out on. Thank the fucking Lord that happened. Oh, and then geez. all that money, yeah. instead of just I don't being like how, up, I don't know how they missed out on Bauer, because that scenario is very like that's so messy, messy. To, yep. to, to hype my uh my podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> listen well, to Joe's that, podcast, subscribe, yeah, great five that, stars, everything. Yeah, that's that's so Mets would be them getting Bauer and all that uh that happening. But what do you guys think about bias? I haven't really uh, asked you guys anything. Is is he someone you want to invest in? I'm very much – I'm thumbs up. We'll do the thumbs up on Baez. That two, okay. two thumbs up I'll even do. And I'm saying this knowing he's going to piss me off. He's going to you know do some stuff that's going to just drive me crazy. Um, and there's it's going to be yo. It's like yo 2.0. He's an infielding yo in my mind. But uh, I think he he's, he's much more of like a sound investment than yo was at that point of his career. Uh and I'm like, you, can't, you just can't let a guy like that out of the building, especially if you have aspirations on to get to the big stage. Guys like that show up. They put their nuts on the table. And they say, let's fucking rock. And again, you, you can't I don't think you can discount what he would mean to Lindor being here. I think that is like a, you have to put that into into context for sure. Kyle, I think he's young enough. I think he brings all those intangibles. They're looking forward to like hype up the team all, on and off the field. I do think that it was a little bit of a. We're expecting the guy that we just saw for the last two months versus the guy that he is for the majority of his career with when it comes to contact and striking out and everything like that. That being said, I'm totally fine with that if he's going to drive in the runs. If he's going to produce and hit the home runs that we're looking for him to produce, we have to fill in. I know Conforto sucked last year, but like we have to fill in for the fact that he's that's a lot of production that's going out the door on a constant every season basis. Last year's an aberration. So I think that if he's available and he's willing to come here for a sweetheart deal, not 200 million. I know he's already lowered that, 
but he wants enough money to be able to change positions because he's a shortstop and he's going to be playing second base. So I think if he's willing to come there and meet us in the middle when it comes to like the deal and the years and everything, I'd be happy to have him. That's for sure. Then they got to figure out what they're doing with all of our other positions. But you got Cano coming back. There's a whole, there's a whole other like clusterfuck in this lineup and who's staying and who's going to be going if they sign him. But I'd take him back for sure. If Cano Cano's going to be playing some third base in winter ball. So uh, he, he might be your short-term third baseman, at least to, you know, maybe in a platoon situation. Yeah, yeah. You can do some DH. You're stuck with them, man. I mean, that's yep. really what it comes down to. Unless he unless he fails another steroid test, you got two years and $40 million left with Robinson Cano. Right. The, uh, the sins of Brody continue to live on in this franchise. It is what <laughs> it is. All right, so yeah. Joe, you – so th- th- the most important thing I'm going to take out of this conversation, and you're, you kind of sold me on it, is third base, which is like, let's call it what it is. It's like, it's the elephant graveyard for the Mets. It like David Wright was like the brightest, per, most perfect star we could ever have. He was a Mets fan growing up. He's like basically Jesus Christ with a glove. Right. And um, we ruined, like we ruined his life. Basically it's bundles to notice everything, but you're telling me that there is like these two, like the, the two guys there, Batty and I can never say the other guy's name, Vientos or whatever. Like yeah. they're closer. I didn't think they were that close. I know they were going to play oh. triple. A. I didn't think they were that close. Like you're saying maybe after the all-star break or 23, what are we thinking for them in terms of time? So, and, and also let's throw Ryan Murray, Ronnie Mauricio's name yeah, in the pool. Sure. He's a shortstop. Yep. I think he projects best as third base long-term and clearly is not a shortstop here anytime soon. So you kind of have three options. One of them has to hit you imagine with the level right. of that they have. Um, so I expect them both. This, uh, Mauricio will start in double A and then both Beatty and Vientos should start in triple A. Vientos is going to get added to the 40 man roster this week because uh, he's eligible for a rule five draft. So mm-hmm. he'll be on the 40 man, which puts him on the cusp. And he got a cup of coffee in triple A at the end of the season and just like kept hitting there, too. So I think he's a guy that his defense is a little bit of a question, uh, but he can hit. Beatty is a little more well-rounded. He could hit. His defense is better. And Mauricio is obviously a projection uh, defensively. But offensively, kind of – he doesn't have the same athleticism, but he kind of reminds me almost of like an Alfonso Soriano kind of hitter. Hmm. Um, so right. there's there's definitely some third-base options. And, you know, I, I it, again, it's a very win-now fan base. No one wants to hear about prospects, whether they're coming in a year or whatever. I think Vientos is a guy that definitely can make his big league debut this year uh, or in 2022. And B is certainly possible. Uh, if he goes and he hits in AAA, I've always said this to all the prospects I've talked to over the years and anyone who wants to talk to me about them is when you get to AAA, you're just performing well away from being in the major leagues. Like it's not, it's much less of a projection and a look ahead. It's if you go and you perform at that level, Probably gonna get a call if there's a need at your spot. You're gonna go to the show. I'm Cano's gonna get hurt in like three games because that's just what he does at this point of his career. If he's not 49 years old, I mean, yeah, are you expecting expecting to stay together? Uh, Yeah, and I think the only way he's gonna stay together is if he takes something that will then get him suspended from baseball for life. So it's like he's really in a catch 22 right now. Um, So all right, I'm I'm feeling a little better both short term and long term at like with the team. And again, everyone remembers Joe is the 
president of the Edwin Diaz fan club. I'm the vice president. I'm right there with you. We're, we're, we're fucking on the York chart right next to each other. But like, we have those take it that this is a very, you know, optimistic fan when it comes to the typical yeah. Mets fan, which is what I need to hear right now. I don't need to hear the yeah. people who are just going to fucking cry that, you know, $21 million for a guy who's pitched two innings coming off Tommy Johnson two years ago. So um, and, and while I'm positive and I try to be rational, like they have a lot to do. Like I'm not, I'm not sitting here. I'm not in denial. I'm not like, Oh, everything's great. Don't worry about losing this guy or that guy. They have a lot of work to do. Um, there's no question about it. And they have to get on it now. Like Billy Epler put that press conference together tomorrow. For some reason, yep. he apparently flew to New York to meet with Cohen and then flew back to California to think about it. And then is taking the job. Now he's gonna have to fly back for a press conference. Like that. What are you doing, man? Uh, you know, you're taking the job. Just stay, stay around, bring your family with you. Joe, I swear to God, if I have to write a blog that Noah Syndergaard signed with the angels because their GM was sleeping because of jet lag, I'm going to blame you for putting this fucking thought. Into <laughs> right Jesus Christ. All right. Okay. So uh, yeah, I, this is the thing. Is this is why I'm rooting for the lockout? Like, what is it? November, like December first exactly. is when the lockout could happen. Yeah. Well, December second. Like, December second. Okay. All I mean, it's going to be a long, miserable winter as a fan that likes to follow hot stove and action and moves. Because once the CBA expires, MLB will bar any forty man roster based decisions. So basically, all you could do is like the Mets could hire a coaching staff. Um, they can make minor league free agent signings, which are guys that just will fill triple A rosters or whatever. But from December 2nd till most people seem to think into February, there'll be nothing. And then it'll so, kind of be like an NFL rush where there's two weeks and it's just like bam, 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 bam. So it's going to be quite eventful if they actually do have a lockout of that length. And the, the beauty, beauty of it, like you said, they can hire coaching staff, they can hire, you know, infrastructure, get the, get more analytics nerds, run all their algorithms, let all that shit, let fucking Epler buy a fucking, get an apartment here just so he doesn't fly to California at, at the end of the workday every single day. Um, and, I'm, and I'm sure these GMs are going to talk. Like, let's be honest. You think, yeah. like, you think uh, Billy Epler's like, cool, I got the job. Like, I'll just go take a two month vacation. Like, we cool? Like, yeah. No, he's going to – I'm sure they're going to talk to Billy Bean in Oakland and be like, Matt Chapman, you know, Frankie Montas, Sean Manea. Like, you have those discussions. It's like, yeah, whenever this lockout thing ends, let's, you know, finalize kind of thing. I think you'll see a lot of things. That's what I think is the best case for fans who like to follow this stuff is that during the lockout, like, things kind of happen when they're not supposed to happen and things happen in the background and you at least get some kind of rumors because imagine just two months of nothing but MLB using one media source to rip the players and the players using another media source to rip MLB like that would be a disaster to deal with for two months and yeah so even if there's nothing going on technically because players are locked out this is like like an enormous winter for the Mets right now and just get everyone in place like Scott, like I said, and like the agents too. Scott Boris isn't just going to sit around and be like, "Man, I hope everyone signs my guys." With he's going to be playing his fucking games, making his stupid analogies and all that kind of shit. And once, and like you said, once everything comes up and it's you know open for business, it's probably going to go fast and furious. We're probably going to have like three emergency podcasts in like a week here because it's just yep. going to be. I think it's going to be a like you said an impactful. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of signings by the Mets and all that kind of shit. And like I don't know, like. Good. I'm, I'm rooting for a lockout. I'm rooting for all that kind of stuff. And the biggest thing to take from the lockout as well is 
the way this luxury, like if they, if, if the players can get what they want more, where they, you know, don't, there's less lockout, less um, luxury tax penalties or make it, we're make they, it's better for, for team. It, it helps teams spend more money. That's an advantage for us. So we have to root for the players as usual in this. We do not want the yeah. owners to push back and get a hard cap or anything like that, which again, name of the podcast, that's so Mets. The Mets would get the, you know, richest owner in the sport. And then there's an actual hard cap where we can't yeah. go over. So we are really up. right up against, there'll be a $203 million cap and their payroll luxury tax right now is like 185. So it's like, well, you got $15 million. Enjoy it. Right. <laughs> to fill a couple pitching roles, a third base role when Robinson Cano's dies on opening day and just everything else like that. So it's going to be a busy off season and uh, no matter what, even if everyone's locked out. So Follow Joe on Twitter, PSL the Flushing, That's So Mets podcast. You got to do like a home and home here. You got to get us on. I mean, you know, I know. we never yeah. did like an Edwin Diaz well, hype. Yeah, Clem, you know what? We'll have you on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, we do, we record every Tuesday. So we'll be recording later. When I talk, I'll talk to Connor and we'll, uh, yeah, we're doing a home and home. You guys, you guys are coming on our pod because now we have to ask you the questions. <laughs> yeah, the hard question. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I mean, by, by the time like we get on, whenever that is. God knows what will happen with this team, but uh, it's clear they're not going to take it easy on us, and it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows under Uncle Steve. We learned that after year one. It's the um, Mets. You're a Mets fan. Let's not act like we, we're not – we're used to this. Yeah, we're used bro. to this. this. This ain't nothing new. Like people This is just like, another Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But in the end, no matter what, what do we got to do, boys? Got to believe. Got to believe.